in the darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt praise the
we are here to celebrate the Easter story. Every great story takes on deeper meaning when you understand the context of that story. Even this Easter service for us looks and feels very different than in years past because of the context of our story. Terms like social distancing, self-isolation meant nothing just a few short months ago. But now it, they are very real in the meaning of our life because of the context of our story has changed. And many of you know the Easter story. Maybe you heard the Easter story growing up in church, or maybe uh, for you growing up, Easter was all about the Easter bunny and eggs and, and chocolates and those kind of things. And you knew there was a religious side or something that Christians celebrated. And you know a bit of the Easter story. Easter story is basically the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's an exciting story. It's an inspiring story. And I want you to know today that if you look at the resurrection story, the Easter story, in light of the whole Bible, not only is it inspiring and exciting, but it becomes life-changing. And it's our goal and our desire to share with you that life-changing story of Easter. The book, the Bible, is a, is a book all about relationship between God and man. This relationship began, interesting enough, in a garden, the Garden of Eden. And many have heard the term Garden of Eden, and that uh, is still connected with a place of paradise, uh, a place of perfection. And so God and man enjoyed a perfect relationship in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. God created man with the ability to love and the ability to choose because true love is a choice. Just over 25 years ago, my wife chose to love me. Now, there's been a few days in between that she's probably doubted that choice and maybe wish she could go back. But for the most part, I think she accepts that choice and enjoys that choice. She made a choice to love me. And true love is a choice. So God provided man with the ability to choose and to love. And he also provided him in the garden the opportunity to obey or to disobey. And it was in that perfect garden of Eden that man, the first man, Adam, chose to disobey God's law. The Bible refers to any time we disobey God's law as sin. We teach our kids in our Sunday school class, grades three and four, that sin is anything you think, say, or do that disobeys God. And the Bible says that Adam disobeyed God. And because of that, that brought a separation between Adam and God. This separation was a physical and a spiritual separation. Physically, he was asked to leave the garden. And spiritually, that perfect relationship was broken. Can we be honest this morning? We're all broken. All of us have been broken by sin. All of us have a broken relationship with God. The Bible says very clearly in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That one man was Adam. His one sin has made us all broken with the same sin. And even before God closed the garden, God decided that he was going to provide a solution for man's sin. And in that garden, he mentioned that there would be a savior that would come, that a woman would have a baby that would solve the problem of sin. And for generations, God's people waited and waited and waited for the savior to come. The Bible says that the defining moment of human history, that savior came. Here's how the Bible puts it in Galatians chapter four, verse four. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, 
made of a woman, made under the law. At the perfect time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. He was born. He became, it was God who became man and lived among men. He was all God and all men, all man living among men. And so this Jesus loved people. He healed people. He taught people. And he lived his life and ministered to people. In fact, the Bible teaches for about three and three and a half years, he full-time ministered to people's needs. And then the Bible says in John 13 that, that Jesus knew that his hour was come. Jesus knew that it was time for, for him to fulfill his ultimate role as Savior. And at that time, the Bible says he gathered together his closest followers, and he spent some time with them. His last few hours he spent with those he loved. He gave them hope. He gave them peace. He gave them comfort. And then he took them to a special place. Jesus led his followers to a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. Really, it is a tale of two gardens. The Garden of Eden, where sin began, and now we find Jesus the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here Jesus surrenders to the will of the Father. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous, that's Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ here in the garden surrendered his will to the Father. Do you see the connection of Adam's sin in the Garden of Eden and Christ's surrender in the Garden of Gethsemane? Without the sin in the Garden of Eden, there's no need for the surrender of the Savior in the Garden of Gethsemane. But without the surrender of the Garden in the Garden of Gethsemane, there's no solution for sin. The disobedience of Adam in the Garden of Eden closed the door on our perfect relationship with God. But the obedience of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane and the events that followed after that have reopened that door. It is a story of two gardens, the garden where sin began and the Garden of Gethsemane where hope began. God's plan of salvation began to unfold as Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, not my will, but thine be done.
remember in school learning the components of what makes up a great story. I learned about an introduction, setting the, the tone and setting the scene with the characters and the plots. And then you'd have that inciting incident, the first event that kind of got the ball rolling. Following that, you'd have a series of events and rising action that all led to the story's climax. Every conflict has a resolution and every action had a consequence. The story of Easter today is very much the same. It's a story of actions and consequences. Romans 3.23 teaches us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A perfect God had a standard of perfection. 
But we, as we learned as descendants of Adam and Eve, are born with a sinful nature and we fall short. Romans 6.23 teaches us that the wages or the penalty or the payment for our sin is death, which is separation from God. You see, every sinful action has a consequence and a penalty. Every person born on this earth is born a sinner with a debt of sin and a reality of separation from God. We're separated from God here on this earth and for eternity in hell, separated from a God in heaven. All of us are born without hope for this life and destined for despair in the next. We're in desperate need for a savior. However, the message of Easter is not just one of a broken relationship, but it's also the message of a loving God a creator God who had a plan for his creation, that we would be the children of God, that we would bear his image, and that our lives on this earth would bring him glory. We learn in scripture that God's plan for us is not to experience and to face death and separation, but to experience life abundantly here on this earth and eternally in heaven with him. But in order for a perfect God to be reunited with his imperfect creation, there was a debt that had to be paid. Justice for a holy God requires a holy and a perfect sacrifice. It's a payment that must be paid by someone who's never committed sin. This disqualifies me for ever paying for my sin, and it disqualifies you from ever paying for yours. There had to be a perfect sacrifice, a sinless and perfect person. John 3.16 teaches us this, that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, Jesus. You see, God sent his son to be that perfect sacrifice for us. And when Jesus prayed that day in the garden and submitted to the will of the Father, he was submitting to being that sacrifice. He was submitting to completing the plan of salvation. After Jesus prayed in the garden, Roman soldiers came and arrested him. Even knowing what he was about to face, and even after, after just being betrayed by one of his closest friends, Jesus went peacefully. He was taken to be put on trial by the high priest Annas, and then passed off to the high priest Caiaphas. The Bible teaches us that in the morning, the chief uh, scribes and religious leaders came to put him again on trial. Many were hired and paid to falsely accused Jesus and lie about crimes that he had committed. He was passed off to the governor Pilate and then to Herod and then brought back to Pilate, but no one could find anything that he had done wrong. No one could convict him of a crime, let alone something worthy of death. The governor Pilate had an idea. Once a year, they would release a prisoner and pardon a prisoner to the people. He says, hey, I can release to you Jesus, this man who we found no wrong in, or I can release to you this man Barabbas, a well-known thief and criminal. The crowds who had gathered, they cried out and said, release to us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, pardon him, crucify Jesus. Famously, Pilate washed his hands and tried to uh, remove his guilt of the situation. But the truth is this, Jesus' fate was sealed. At, from that point on, Jesus was beaten, he was whipped, his body was broken and it bled. 
they placed, they placed a heavy wooden cross upon his back, and he carried it up a hill to a place called Golgotha, known as the place of a skull. It was there that they crucified him. They nailed him to a wooden cross. Nails pierced through his hands and through his feet. He died in one of the most public and shameful ways that has ever been known, crucifixion. Hung between two criminals for all the public to see. Above him hung a sign mocking him saying, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. As Jesus hung on the cross, he experienced the physical pain of a torturous death and the spiritual pain of separation from God his Father. He was wounded for our sins and our transgressions. It was there on that cross that Jesus died. They took him down from the cross and they placed his body to rest in a tomb. It's important for us to understand and to realize the significance of Jesus' last recorded words on the cross. They were simply this, it is finished. That was, the, uh, that was the result of his death and the message of his death that very first Easter. And it's the same message today. The message of the cross is this. It is finished. The penalty for our sin has been paid. The debt that we owe and cannot pay has been erased. The barrier between a holy God and us as sinful men has been erased. It is finished. It's the greatest transaction that the world has ever seen, and it took place that first Easter on the cross. God gave his life for man. Perfection paid the price for sin, and a king gave it all for sinful people. 2 Corinthians 5 says this in verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, we can be reunited with God, knowing him and having a relationship with him here on this earth and having the hope of a lifetime with him forever in heaven. You see, Easter is not just the story of a broken relationship. It's not just the story of sinful actions with separating consequences. It's the story of a loving God who paid the ultimate sacrifice at the cross. At the cross. At 
Washed it. 
Jesus was taken off the cross by a disciple by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph took Jesus' body and placed it in his own garden tomb. Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says in verse 62, Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulcher be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, Ye have your watch. Go your way. Make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. You see, they did everything they could do, humanly possible, to make sure that Jesus would not rise again, that he would not become victorious. They killed him. They buried him. They sealed the the stone. They put a watch around so that nobody could get in and nobody could get out. They did all they could to make sure he would stay there in the ground But the greatest part of the story happens in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to draw toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not, fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Jesus rose from the dead. Three days after his death on the cross, three days later, he arose from the dead. He is not here, the angel said. He is risen. You see, Jesus completely defied all human odds. Jesus completely um, uh, destroyed all power on earth. There was nothing that could keep him there. You see, this was God's plan all along. It was God's plan that Jesus would die, but that he would rise again. Because without the resurrection of Jesus, without that resurrection, without him coming alive again, there would be no happy ending for Jesus. And there would absolutely be no happy ending for us. There would be no hope. His resurrection gives us the power to be made alive. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 tells us that through Jesus Christ, we who were dead in our trespasses and sins are now become alive. We can live because of Jesus. Because Jesus lives, we can live. But Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18 says that because Jesus conquered death, he now holds the keys to death and hell. You see, Jesus is the keeper of death and hell. So he controls who goes in and who goes out. So maybe you're asking yourself the question, how does all of this apply to my life? 
How does this affect my life right now? Well, I hope you know this. Every Bible truth affects your life in some way. But here's how Christ's resurrection affects our lives. Jesus, as we've already found out, was originally sent by God to this earth for one reason, because God loved us. We've already spoken of John chapter 3 and verse 16, for God has so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, this verse tells us that God loved us so much, so much that he was willing to give up his own son. That's an incredible thought. God loved us in a way that he would give his own son up. But this verse also gives us a little snippet of information that I believe is key to this entire story. The end of the verse again says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The amazing part of Jesus conquering death is that now we don't have to experience the sting of death. Now we don't have to experience what death brings to all people. Why? Because he paid the penalty for us. He's offering us a free gift. He paid the debt so that we could have a free gift. Romans chapter six and verse 23, the beginning of the verse, for the wages of sin is death. At the end of the verse, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the free gift. God wants to give to you eternal life. How in the world can God give anybody eternal life? Here's how, because he conquered death and hell. He can give us that because he holds the keys. I want to go over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35, a very famous passage of scripture. The Bible says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? jumps down a couple verses. I want you to see verse 38. The Bible says, for I am persuaded that neither, watch this, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, there is nothing in the world that could keep Jesus in the ground. And there is nothing in the world that can keep his love from reaching you. Because his resurrection conquered it all. There is no human way to keep God's love from us. There is no spiritual way to keep God's love from us. Death could not keep it from us. His love is for all, for all through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that after Jesus rose from the dead, he was here on this earth for another 40 days. After those 40 days, the Bible tells us that he ascended back into heaven and is now sitting at the right hand of God. So 
if you will, our story has taken us from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the Garden Tomb. And it's ending with Jesus being in glory with God. Again, you might be asking yourself, well, it's a wonderful story of Jesus, but what is the purpose of all this? What's the purpose of Jesus coming to this earth? What is the purpose of Adam and Eve? What is the purpose of him rising again? And what is the purpose of him ascending to heaven? Here's the purpose. The purpose is this. Jesus wants you to be in heaven with him. Jesus is inviting you to be in heaven with him. God sent his only begotten son to this earth so that you could be with God for eternity. John chapter 14 and verse six, the Bible says this, I am the way, Jesus speaking, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. His goal is to get you to the father, to live with him for eternity. This is the goal that God has given. This is the reason. This is how it applies to our lives. Again, you have a debt, a debt called sin, and Jesus paid that debt, and he conquered it, and you know what he's doing? He's just simply waiting for you to receive it. He's simply waiting for you to receive his free gift. Won't you reach out to him today? Won't you accept his free gift. I hope you know you can do that right now. You can do that right where you sit, in your place, in your home today. You can accept Christ. Reach out to him. Accept his free gift. This is simply done by praying to God, admitting that you're a sinner, putting your faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you, and believe that he will fulfill his promise to you and take you to heaven. Will you pray and ask Christ to be your savior today? This is the power of the resurrection. This is the wonderful story of a world separated from God, brought back to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Will you take that? We can live victoriously because Jesus is the victor. Because of what he did on the cross, because of him rising again. Listen, if you've made a decision today, we would love to connect with you. We would love for you to let us know. And if you have any questions, by all means, please reach out to us. We're always open for an email, a phone call, a, a direct message through social media, anything. Reach out, ask us, let us know that you've made a decision. There's a link in the description. Connect with us. I want to thank you for celebrating Easter with us today. And I hope you know that Christ is risen. And he is not here, for he is risen. Thank you for celebrating Easter with us.
was heard at the tomb that day just shuffling soldiers feet as they guarded the grave one day two days three days had passed could it be that jesus had breathed his last could it be that his father had forsaken him turned his back on his son despising our sin all hell seemed to whisper just forget him he's dead then the father looked down to his son and said, Arise, my love, arise, my love, the grave no longer has a hold on you, no more death.
Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed this Easter celebration. If you're not a regular at Bible Baptist, we would love to hear from you. Would you take a minute right now and click the link in our description? That would help you connect with us this week. For everyone who connects with us this week, we're going to be making a donation to our Frontline Support Fund. And so please take a moment to do that. Today, as soon as we're done here at the service, we will be having a virtual lobby on our Facebook page. We invite you to come over and join us there for a time just to hang out and meet people from our church and and communicate with us. Today, the Yeomans family will be greeting us today in the virtual lobby. And now I invite you to finish this celebration by singing with us, Because He Lives. And singing this morning because he lives. God sent his son, they called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy. And then one day